is up everybody i am renaissance mark your modern renaissance content creator and welcome back to another episode of perception of course my creator spotlight series and i am with a, a very amazing person i am so so glad i met this person i am with chanslin she uh she they by the way is a content creator twitch streamer professional cosplayer i would say artist team lead of emporium and she can also get down in the kitchen to be honest like <laughs> to be honest like a little bit of a chef in there a little bit of a chef in there <laughs> chance how you doing Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good. Oh, I know I got you up in the morning. I apologize for that, but no, I'm, I'm I glad you're here. Mornings. Good, good. I'm a morning person too. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. I'm not like a super early bird. I'm uh like I've learned people are like, are you an early bird or are you an like night owl? And I'm just like, no, I'm more like an afternoon pigeon. <laughs> I like kinda... that. I like, it's like I wake up at like nine to ten ish, but anything earlier than that, don't talk to me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. See, me, I, I'm the I'm a person where like I can be up, I can sleep at five a.m., be up at seven thirty, perfectly fine. That's kind of how I roll too. Like, yeah, like, regardless of what time I fall asleep, I'll always wake up by like nine nine thirty. Um, there's the occasional moments that I might sleep a little later and it's purely because my dog will crawl in the bed with me and then I can just cuddle her and we pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to your dog too. Uh, your dog, you said is a uh, St. Bernard, right? Yes. She is my sweet, sweet baby. About 140 pounds of pure snuggles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yay. Shout out to the St. Bernards of the world. Shout out to the dogs of the world. Hello, Hi. Daisy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Um, to start, I think the the best thing is how would you describe yourself? I know even with my slight introduction, like, but how how would you describe yourself if you want to kind of tell people who you are in 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 your frame? Oh my gosh, it's so difficult because like I do a million things, but I never know where exactly I am with what it is I'm doing because I just. Mm -hmm. In some sense, I'm like a serial hobbyist. I'll do one thing, then kind of stop doing that hobby for a minute and then go do a different hobby and then come back to that other hobby. But, uh, you know, they always say there's like jack of all trades, master of none. So I think I'm like good at the things I do, but I'm nowhere near like I am the best or I'm really great at this. I'm just like, eh, I could dabble a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I, I just like, like to be creative. That's my, my end goal and how I like to describe what I do. Because okay. anything and anything, anything and everything that allows me to be creative is just where I aim to go in life. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, yesterday, I actually figured out the full quote of that master of none. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a full quote. I, I think it's uh, Jack of all trades, master of none, but... Mm -hmm better than a master of one or something like yeah. that like that's the full and i was like wow i was like okay because a lot of people <laughs> like would say like i'm, I'm a jack because I, I like to pertain myself as a jack of all trades as well I, I like to do so many different things and have my hands so many different pots and i always thought is that a good thing is that a bad thing like to to be right. a jack of all trades but now that i know the full quote i'm like ah it's a good thing ah. <laughs> I'm like it's a great thing yes um I do want to let's uh your hobbies. I know uh one of one of even the uh ways that we have come across uh across paths of is one of your hobbies of dice making. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, I I definitely commissioned you for uh dice for the obelisk series. Um <laughs> so that is one of the exciting things and another reason I'm I'm excited to talk to you. How did you with some of these hobbies, including dice making, how did you manage to like even find out about them? Like find out to like to do them. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because some of them are so so specific. It's just like, where right. did you get that? Right. It's like I had the same thing when people are like, "Oh yeah, I do this for a living." I'm like, "That's a job? How did you <laughs> find that? Like, if if you quit, where do you go? Do they have a union? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like where where is this from?" <laughs> Um, specifically with dice making, it's, uh, I've always loved tabletop RPGs. Mm -hmm. I've been playing Pathfinder for, I want to say 10 to 12 years now. And I started playing D and D at 3.5, about 15, 16 years ago. And so tabletop games have always been in my life. It's just been a huge part of me and it's something that I've always had fun with. And, um, do you know, do you know what Gen Con is? Yes. Yes. So I've gone to Gen Con about eight years in a row, give or take. It's the last two years, like this year and last year, obviously I didn't. But uh, going through there, there's a lot of dice booths. And as you go through, you can buy like pounds of dice and people have like their own special dice and fun dice. And I was just like, these are so pretty. So I just started like buying a bunch of them. And I have another friend who also is a dice collector and he would just buy a bunch of dice and he and I would sit there and like trade dice sets with each other and multiple colors. Cause sometimes he would get a limited edition or I would get one and we're like, cool, I got one for you. Let's switch. But um, through that process, I found like one person who posted early on. I don't remember who it was, but there's like, oh yeah, I made these dice sets. I was like, what, you can make dice? What do you mean? And so I started like diving into it. I found a dice making group on Facebook that I joined and I learned all the basic processes about it. I, I'm a hesitant hobbyist where when I join a new hobby, I do the absolute bare minimum in terms of cost to determine whether or not I like the hobby. Okay. I feel that. My partner, he goes like full in with everything. He's just like, I will just spend all the money to buy all of these things. And if it doesn't work out in six months, I'll sell everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> for dice making, I had to like read the process, see what everybody was suggesting, what materials I needed. I was like, okay, how cheap can I make this so mm-hmm. that I can figure out whether or not I like it? Right. And so I started with one die and it was absolutely terrible. Like only half of it cured. The af- the other half of it was still like liquid. It was awful. I was like, what is this? <laughs> but at the same time, something about it just sparked a joy in me. I was like, this is still really fun. I'm, re- I'm determined to figure this out. Right. Like I've always been someone who wants to figure out what the problem is. I need to know the solution. And so... I was like, all right, let's go, let's go in. And so I bought like a different resin and tested that out until I found one that worked. And through that process, I learned to make my own dice molds. I have like 3D files of dice that I send to get 3D printed and those become my dice masters. So all of my dice are custom dice that are for my, like that are, they're mine. They're not just like some other company's dice that I'm copying. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's been a fun process figuring it out. And the groups that I found, like the group that I was in is no longer functioning, but new Mm -hmm. dice groups have popped up on Facebook. So if you just type in like dice making on Facebook, you'll more than likely find one of the few groups that have come up from it. Now, so with that, like you're able to kind of like, how do you like... I see that you 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 kind of take your hobbies from certain things you're passionate about. So with that, like, of course, you took your dice making hobbies from TTRPGs. And how did you get into like other things? Like, I know uh, you're you're big on cosplaying. I know a lot of people have seen your cosplays or seen you, uh, you know, your photos on Twitter or Instagram and I know you go to different cons and you're kind of like more professional in a sense, like real thought out cosplay. Like, how did you get into that? So, uh, <laughs> I, I had to think about it. I was like, how did I get into cosplay? And <laughs> the first time that I technically cosplayed, um, like I don't have, I'm not, a, I'm just gonna be clear. I'm not a gatekeeper when it comes to cosplaying right. any and everybody who cosplays in any right. form, be it like, this is a closet cosplay where they just pulled stuff from their closet and kind of feel like the character versus people who are like, I made this entire costume from scratch. Like, I don't care. All of it is cosplay. Right. For me, 
I called my first one cosplay because at the time I didn't really know it was cosplay. I was just like, this is going to be kind of fun. Let's see how it goes. Right. And I was a freshman in high school. So this is like 15, 16 years ago. And um, I've always been big into anime. I grew up watching anime. It's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, I was living in Florida at the time. And my best friend in high school, she's like, hey, there's this convention nearby called jcon do you want to go i was like what is that Hmm. she's like you've never heard of a convention or like any of these i was like no i really haven't so tell me more and so jcon was one of the first like anime conventions i think like at the time across the u.s like conventions just weren't that big at that point like this was a very small convention in a hotel like lobby conference rooms it, like oh. you could go between all of the halls within a couple of hours like it's very tiny compared to the, con- the cons we know today right and so she's like yeah you know we can dress up like some of our favorite characters and just kind of go and have fun and hang out and buy some anime stuff and i was like oh anime sold <laughs> and so i tried to dress up as sakura from naruto because i was really big into naruto right. and all i did was like straighten my hair and had the like party city terrible pink hairspray that just makes your hair look like stiff and terrible <laughs> it was bad and i just had like a reddish t-shirt there's no pictures of this like absolutely none i've tried finding because i have no shame on knowing where i came from but like it was the most basic bare minimum thing you could do for a costume and so i like at the time i didn't know that was cosplay but like that was the moment that really sparked it for me because i went to the convention and there were people dressed up as these characters and i was like what you can do this that's so cool and so it kind of like petered a little bit for a couple years because i moved from florida to illinois and I didn't have a lot of friends. There wasn't really a convention there either. But after a couple of years, I started making more friends in my new school in Indiana when I moved again. And they started going to anime conventions. And through them, I learned some of the basics of how to put together a cosplay and all that fun stuff. It wasn't until I joined the SCA, which is called the Society of Creative Anachronism. And that is all about medieval life accuracy so the society of creative anachronism is a huge huge community like all across the world they have different divisions like the u.s is divided into four like um territories right and you have king and queens and we very much emulate the um, like medieval period as accurate as they can in terms of how they make their clothes what they do at these events it's um you know like civil war reenactors yeah yeah it's kind of like that with how accurate they get like you know they have the right buttons for everything right but this one is back into the medieval period so everybody's clothes are period accurate it's not just like a red fair where you can just wear like wings and stuff it's like no they actually are like no we're pretending that we live in the medieval period so that's dope. Through them, I had to learn how to make my own clothes from scratch. Like I learned to make dresses. I started to kind of see how people made their own shoes. I never got into that part, but I was like, this is so freaking cool. But through That's that, insane. it taught me a lot of the basic skills of how to make your own patterns for your own body and how to sew and put things together. And I just kind of translated all of that back to cosplay because I was like, I prefer cosplay over this. So I kind of left that, went back into cosplay. Right and that's where i am today <laughs> that's, that's dope i didn't like that's that's actually cool like to be it, it it seems like like you 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 find it's so cool because it seems like you find these pocket worlds and it, like yeah. like like you have like the anime pocket world like you found like the D tabletop pocket world you have the medieval pocket world like that's so cool because it looks like you're just being it's like you're being involved and kind of evolving your own skill set in that in those manners as well it's like like you to even have the i would say the the do of taking what you learned from that medieval pocket world putting it into cosplay and I'm sure that probably even helps out with like curating dice and with everything else, probably even down to uh, cooking 
as well because I'm I'm guessing with measurements and knowing how to do certain measurements with making your own clothes and cosplay, you can apply that to, you know, making food and doing this and that. And a third, like, do you feel that everything that you are kind of a part of has evolved you into such a creative jack of all trades that you are now? Um, I think so. And the more I like look at all the hobbies that I do, I find that I often try to connect one hobby with my other hobbies. Mm-hmm. I never try to just have like, here's one hobby and that's just the one hobby. It's like the more I can incorporate one hobby into my other hobbies, the more useful it is for me and the more I want to learn about it. Right. So um, the cooking and baking thing is actually a separate thing entirely because I started mm-hmm. learning to bake when I was two or three. And that was with my grandmother. Right. She was really a, like a big time baker. She and I hung out in the kitchen all the time. Like she was the matriarch of our family. So she handled all the food. Right. And I learned a lot of those basics. But then my dad, he's actually a professional chef for about the last 40 years or oh, so. Wow. And so through him, I learned a lot about the precision with baking. He hates baking. He cannot do it. He refuses to do it. So I wow. took on that role. Whereas he's a chef, and so he handles a lot of the cooking. Right. But, I mean, through baking, I definitely did learn about, like, mise en place, which is everything is in its place. Right. So when I go to work on costumes or dice making is I make sure everything I need is where I need it to be, and I double-check everything before I started putting together. Because the last thing you want to do is be in the middle of a project and realize that you forgot to grab, like for dice making, you know, I only have 40 minutes to work on the dice set before it starts to set. Otherwise it's completely trash. So I can't, you know, freak out in the middle of it, be like, oh no, I don't have this thing that I need to put in the dice. Now I gotta go find it. It's like, no, I have 40 minutes. So I better plan everything beforehand before I can put it in. And so it's just like baking, you know, you don't, start mixing all of your ingredients and then you're like, oh, I need to go to the store to get milk, but that's going to ruin my batter. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, damn. okay. That's actually cool. I didn't, I didn't know certain, certain things of, 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 of that nature is everything is time sensitive. Um, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. So, okay. That's so like with, with being that type of, uh, with having that type of punctuality, like, how does that how does that really uh like how does that mold into like your your own personal your own personal life like even with jobs or scheduling or anything of that nature and and of course like content creating itself which we're about to go into like how does that even that saying that you said like everything has its place like do you implement that just into your everyday life into your content creation to your streaming <laughs> Uh, this is funny because I actually just had this conversation regarding my mm. content streaming or contribution the other day, but um, it's helped me get a lot more organized and understanding of a process of when I need to have stuff done. But it's really nice for me because I can pretty much get a lot more accurate in terms of, okay, I'm going to go meet this person in like two hours. I have, you know, this X amount of time to be able to put dice in. So if I start my dice at this time, get it done, then I can go ahead, clean up and meet my friend and I'll be fine. But um, through that process, it also taught me that if things don't necessarily have a time constraint, then I just kind of wing it on the go. And that's how I operate with, um, like Twitch streaming is people always ask me like, what's your routine before you start streaming? Like some people, you know, spend half an hour like processing everything and going into meditation for it. Other people spend like this time getting their food ready, getting like organizing their desk. Like, what do you do? And I was like, I do nothing. I just hit the start button and hope it works. Let's let's go from there. (laughs) Like (laughs) there is no plan here because I don't have a plan. Like, Streaming doesn't give me that time constraint like my other projects do. Like, there's nothing that needs to be in its place. It's just, we just go, see what happens, and hope for the best. <laughs> I like that. So now go, going into streaming and, and content creating, um, you know, going, going a little bit past the hobbies and going into more of, like, your creative uh, process with content creating and streaming, how did you manage to actually get into streaming in itself like you know seeing that 
you know, you are a jack of all trades. What what made you manage to be like, this is something that I want to go into? And also, when did you kind of start seeing it work for you to be able to stay with it? Um, so I actually started on Twitch years ago, like seven or eight years ago. I think it was after they just turned from Justin.tv to Twitch.tv. Yeah. And um, at the time, I literally only streamed like once a year. I was just like, I would turn it on. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why, why am I doing this? What's going on? And I would turn it off, not think about it. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that account. Let's go try again. And I just kept doing that. Like every year, I just had one video until I think about, I want to say three to four years ago now, my partner decided he wanted to try to get into Twitch streaming. And mm -hmm. so he was going hard and do it. I was monitoring his channel and watching what he was doing and all that stuff. And he decided it wasn't for him. But mm -hmm. in the process of him trying, it made me curious about it because I realized um, I prioritized other hobbies over other hobbies in terms of the things that I prefer to do. Right. So I love cosplaying, but I do not love cosplaying as much as I love playing video games. Right. And my process with cosplaying is it takes up a lot of my time. You know, people will say, hey, can we hang out? I'm like, sorry, unless you're working on a costume, I can't leave my home. I have to finish this thing that's going to be for a convention in like a month. And so I'm booked out for a while. Right. But I also didn't have the time to play my video games either. Like I was working on costumes. Right. And so I've been reprioritizing and reshifting everything in my life to make it so that I had more time to play video games. And through that, I learned that, like, I love all of my cosplay friends. If any of them are watching this, I love all of you. I just want you to know that video games have always been a big part of my life. And I realized that a lot of my friends aren't as into video games like I am, mm -hmm. or if they are into video games, it's not nearly the same kind of games. Right. And so I never really got the chance to bond with them on something that I loved. Right. And so I was like, I think Twitch would be a great way to try to meet friends and build like friendships on mutual games that we both love and kind of bond from there. Right. And so I just kind of started hanging out. I had like a small little community that I had joined with a bunch of like other affiliates or people that we helped get to affiliate just because we're like, oh, let's, you know, mutually work together, be friends. Right. And it was really cool. I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. And since then, it's just kind of evolved and changed because of the things that just happen to fall into my general direction, like Team Emporium, you know, right. never in my life did I think I would join. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, never in my life did I think I would join a Twitch team. Right. I was just, you know, I'm just like, I'm just here to vibe. I'm just here to hang out. I don't have like aspirations to be partner or to get hundreds of views or anything like that. Like I genuinely just want to make friends. Right. And so, Team Emporium came along and it really surprised me because I thought like every time I've seen a Twitch team, most of the time they were just kind of like video game directories where you just scroll through to see who's playing games. But most of the people on that team don't know each other. They don't hang out. They don't right. do games together. Like it's just a directory of people. And so I'm just like, I don't understand. Whereas Team Emporium, they're like, no, we want to build like a family. We want to have friends. We want to hang out. And I was like, this sounds exactly like what I'm looking for. So I'm going to shoot my shot and see what happens. So here we are a year later. And I'm like, that's been one of the best things that's happened to me. And that's only recently for Twitch. Prior to that, I was just happy to go live and hang out with the few friends that I did. Like a lot of people put stake in numbers and they, you know, like only three people are watching my stream today. And it's like, okay, but if you have three people in a room with you, that's enough for a board game. Like that's a lot of people. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good, so, that's a good point. Yeah. It's like, I get numbers when you're trying to climb or go in a certain direction, right. but at the end of the day, you, you have to know what these numbers actually mean and impact you. And that really shifts my mindset because I used to be that person that was like, I need to stream every single day for six hours and have multiple people in my stream, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, um, quality over quant uh, quantity. And also, uh, focusing on the numbers doesn't get me anywhere. And right. that's been part of the biggest growth for me is that balance of like, 
no, we just want to have a good time. If I'm feeling good, other people will feel good. If you're feeling terrible, everyone's going to notice and they're not going to feel good. So, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's balance. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and that's, uh, I think, uh, a lot of the, the themes in, in a lot of your, um, you know, in, in what you've been saying is uh, back to that, back to that, that saying you said earlier, like everything has its place like i'm seeing that even even you know you talking about streaming and how just you know emporium came into place and this came into place and you know how you know you didn't even really think about it you know up until you know your partner tried it and then you kind of wanted to revisit like even your partner not wanting to do it you kind of taking taking into taking that more into consideration like it's showing that it's just kind of puzzle piecing it its way in, which is actually really cool. It's 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 always cool to see a path be built in in that in that present, you know, in, in real time is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. with that, like building a community, having that family, um what are your aspirations and how are you looking to kind of i would say kind of con continue on having like this this uh family role within your community and other communities like how are you looking to build upon that i just want to be able to continue to use the places that i'm in to help uplift other people right because um one of the things that i've really started doing in the last few years was find a deeper connection with my pacific islander roots and through that process, I learned that there's not a lot of that in the gaming sphere. Like, I very rarely have met people who are Pacific Islanders that are streaming on Twitch, that are <clears throat> doing a lot of the things that I'm doing. And so that was another internal push for me to continue Twitch streaming was I want to be a representation for who, for like me as a kid. Right. If I was a kid, like this is someone that I would have wanted to be like, hey, that person's like me. Right. That's really cool. And one of the things I always emphasize is like, I want to be a representation. I may not be the best representation. I'm not ever going to be the only representation, but I am a representation and that's what matters. Right. And through that, I learned that that's something I want to be able to do for other marginalized communities, be it BIPOC or LGBTQIA+, et cetera. Like, I want to help uplift everybody of their own different marginalizations to a platform that they can be recognized in and to get the love that they deserve. And so um, while I don't have aspirations personally to become like a partner or anything like that, right. I do have aspirations to use my platform to uplift everybody else into that role if that's what they want or something along those lines. So like, while I say I don't want partnership at the same time, if I gain more views and more friends and stuff like that, like it's great because of my internal goal of actually wanting to help uplift everybody else. Right, right. Because uh, if you do get partner and things like that, like that will grow your actual goal of like at representation because more eyes, you know, just logistically yeah. more eyes and, and things of that nature. Exactly. It's actually really... That's really cool. And and I think having that mindset um kind of elevates you past, you know, kind of elevates you to to keep motivated in in that in that same space. And have you ever thought about have you ever thought about the the toll? Like like is like does it take the, that toll on you? Cause you know, um I talk to some people all the time who are also like Twitch streamers and things of that nature. I, I even know me and you have had conversations about it. And, you know, do you feel that because of your goal that you're also kind of going like an uphill battle in a sense of a way, like even with the platform in itself? Because even as of right now, it's not, not in the best state. <laughs> it's, it's just not in the best state right now. Um, which in in the 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 way the reason why I bring that up is because it's not in the best state 
which is like literally the opposite of what you kind of push for, you know, like it's literally like tearing down what you're trying to build up. So like, how do you feel like that? Does that toll kind of, do you kind of take that into consideration? Like, does that toll kind of hit? Um, sort of because like, yeah, it's working against me and it makes things a little more difficult, but I feel like this is something that I've always faced my entire life. And so I just Mm -hmm. see it as another challenge. I need to figure out how to go around because, um, I went to college to get an informatics slash computer science degree, and I also have a minor in telecommunications. And through that, because I always knew from the get-go what I was going to college for, I had the same classmates for pretty much all the four and a half years that I was in college. And through college, I found because I am, you know, femi-presenting in a tech-based field, all of, almost all of my classmates were men. And a lot of them were white men. Like I had one class that was 90 people out of 90 of them. Six of them were women or femi identifying. Like the 84 of them were men. And most of them, like 70 at least, I think were about white. And so I've always felt like there was that obstacle to climb through because some of them did look down on me for being, for not being a white man. Like Mm. some of them just didn't take me seriously or they would talk over me or take my own ideas and try to reiterate them back to me like they that was their idea. And so through that, you know, I still stayed in the tech field. I still work in tech. And that's still an experience that I've been having for the last 12, 13 years. And I always find a way to just fight through it. I'm just like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to prove to everybody that I am better than you think I am. But also in the same process, like, I don't care what they think. Like right. the proof is for me. It's to prove that I can do it, that I am who I say I am. And I've never lied about that. And so um, with the state of what's going on with Twitch, like it's inhibiting what I'm trying to do, but it's not completely discounting everything I'm trying to do. It's just another obstacle for me to try to figure out. I'm going to, you know, yell to the top of my root, like to, <laughs> yell to the top of my lungs that like, Twitch, do better. Right. Twitch, I'm going to keep calling you out. Twitch, you need to do better. Right. And in that process, I've made friends in the same areas of who are having the same difficulties. And so in some sense, I'm still expanding my circles because of what's going on. And I think that's just like, I guess, a silver lining for me. Right. <laughs> I, like I don't try to promote like toxic positivity or like, oh, you always have to look at the good things. But... <laughs> Um, being able to find some of the good things helps keep me sane and helps keep me not feel like I, um, like it's taking a toll on me. I'm just like, oh, this is a really tough moment. I'm going to take a step away. And then I take a step away and I think about the good things that have been happening. And I'm like, okay, okay, we're still good. We can go back. Nice. I like that. I, I, I like that a lot, especially because, you know, um, being that 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 having that mentality kind of helps for anybody in i know nobody is um what's the best way to put it nobody is looking to be a role model you know like you're just being yourself but at least with you having that mentality kind of keeping that kind of keeping that balance of you know, yeah, it could take a toll. Yeah, it does this, but I'm I'm finding this and I'm working through it. It kind of lets people who may be looking to you or maybe in the in emporium and who are looking to you as like a team lead, be like, okay, like this is this is not something for me to freak out about because I'm seeing other people in in the same space be strong, which which is actually pretty cool. Um, so. Going going a little bit past that, how would you how how would you um not really like advice wise, but as being a team lead, how do you kind of relate that to the rest of your community? It's I'm not sure. (laughs) I think it's just a natural, like organic thing that happens because 
Um, one of the things that has really stuck to me recently is understanding what it means to be a team lead. Like mm. through my jobs and the various careers I've had in my life, I understand what it means to be in a leadership position. I've been in leadership positions, right? but with Team Emporium, you know, we always looked at it as like family first. right? And so we're like, we're friends, we hang out. But I realized that, you know, at the end of the day, we're team leads. Us six are in charge of how this team is presented to the world. We're in charge of anything that comes our way. We handle a lot of these things. Sometimes there's like a business aspect to it that we need to take care of. And so trying to find the balance of we're friends and family and we do love you, but at the same time, we need to uphold values and our pillars and make sure that people understand this is what we stand for. And so when faced with like issues or complications that come up, be it directly at me or just directly at the team or within somebody that's in the team, uh, I try to operate on a... Um, this is something I've been doing for the last few years is I personally get bothered at times when I'm upset and I express that I'm upset to somebody close to me. And the first thing they do is try to solve my problem. Mm. And I don't want you to solve my problem. I want you to listen to me and just let me vent. Right. That's it. Right. And so I've been kind of practicing this habit in the last few years of asking, do you just want to vent or do you want advice? Like I give them the question, I let them decide, and then we can go from there. Right. And that's kind of how I operate with leadership stuff. And if somebody presents something to us, if it's not like a super serious matter, then I'm just like, are you just venting? Do you want advice? Like we're, we're friends and family here, but I don't want to overstep any boundaries. Like right. what's up? But as a leadership, I feel like it also changes some things because there's some things where you just, you need to solve the problem. You right. need to get in front of it. You need to figure out what's going on and find the best solution. And unfortunately that can result in people being upset from the get go, be it someone that you are close to because you're on the same team or be it the other person on the other end is going to be upset with you. And you're just like, I don't like, I just need to solve this. I just right. need this problem to chill. Like, come on. <laughs> so trying to find that balance of fighting issues that come along but at the same time understanding what it means to be a leader is something kind of new to me in this capacity because um like i said the difference between a job like everybody always believes that you have to be loyal to your job that your job is going to be like there for you they got your back they can be as nice as can be like your grandmother could pass away they could send you flowers and you'd be like that's really nice of my job to do that it's like right. okay but workplace loyalty is not a thing. Your job will fire you the moment they need to. The yeah. moment they have a reason to, they will do it. There's no like benefit of the doubt typically. Like they will just out you. Yeah. Whereas Team Emporium or really any Twitch team that operates in a similar capacity to what Emporium is, right. like we're a family. We don't right. want to just kick someone out. We like, we genuinely bring you into this family. We genuinely want the best for you and we want you to be the best version of yourself. But also, you know, serious matters that affects us on a professional level. It's like, how do you find that balance? Right. And that's been something that's been new to me that I've been learning in the last like year or so. That's really, really that's really cool. Like having just every everything about your your explanation and, and that balance really it, it's really it's always good to hear. It's always good to hear people who understand and working on like leader versus boss or like leader versus this or you know just having that understanding of being a leader and kind of taking the initiative a lot of people can understand it but a lot of people may not execute it or take the initiative in in the in the best way possible so that's actually really 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 good to hear you say that and i do i do want to bring it uh back to you where past community building past family like past all of that what are some of your other personal goals that doesn't align with any any hobbies or content creating like what what do you want to do like what's what's the next like steps in life that you are looking forward to kind of accomplish just for yourself um i want to just have a 
creative outlet that I can always do forever. That's just my end goal with anything I do. I don't have any specifics because um, I never know what's going to inspire me at any given point in time. Right. And I don't know exactly what it is I see myself doing when I'm like 70 or 80 years old. Like, do I see myself like, uh, what's her name? I think her name is Shelly. She's, I think, about 80 or so, and she plays Skyrim on Twitch or YouTube. Yeah. Skyrim yeah. grandma. Yeah. Yeah. She's the <laughs> sweetest lady. And I'm just like, could I do that? If, if I was like 80, do I see myself doing something like this? I don't know. You know, nothing has really jumped at me like, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. Um, my hobbies, they're fun, and I enjoy them. Like, I love photography. I love cosplaying i love dice making but at the same time if there comes a point where i need to give up any of them i don't have necessarily like a hesitation about it um i do love it and i will continue to do it for as long as i can it's just you know if something comes up is like you need to stop doing this thing and i'm like okay stop doing that thing and i'll be sad about it i'm gonna mourn it but i'm gonna just go and try to find something else so I hope to find something, I guess, in the next few years that I can see myself doing forever. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. That's 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 actually really cool. Like to to just be open. Like like for me, like I'm one of those people that like I will sit down and write out <laughs> ten years. I'm like, okay, by the seventh year, I should be like I, I'm I'm <laughs> one of those people. Like I know I need to let some of that go a bit mm -hmm. and just kind of be a little bit more open to life mm -hmm. um such a such a difficult 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 thing for, for me to try to uh pertain like I, everything i kind of do i like as structured as i actually try to be but as far as as far as as far as like you like i i, I want to talk about like your inspirations and what what or who inspires you to do certain things like like what are what are your inspirations like who are your people that you may look up to if anybody or what are some things that inspire you in in your steps up until where you're at now so it's such an interesting topic because you know, for a long time, I used to look up to big names, celebrities, stuff like that. And I've learned over the years that, you know, you can't be putting anybody on pedestals. Absolutely mm -hmm. nobody can go on a pedestal. Right. Everybody has the potential to let you down at some point. And so you're just setting yourself up for heartbreak and failure if you put somebody high above you. Right. And so I think it was a few years ago before I joined Twitch where I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna idolize anybody. I'm not gonna say that these people are it. They're my goal as a human being. I want to be like them. So a lot of the time people message me about somebody big name on Twitch and half like 90% of the time, I'm like, who, I don't know who that is. They're like, well, they get like hundreds of thousands of viewers. It's like, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Huh? I'm never going to meet them. I'm not going to talk to them. They don't do anything for me. I, I don't care. Like good for not you know upset with who they are or what they're doing i'm not angry that they're the top it's just, i'm like i don't they don't get the stop talking to me about them i don't care right. unless it's something that impacts us directly don't bring them to my face facts. that's big fact <laughs> and so i have the same thing with celebrities or any of that stuff like i have a lot of friends who go oh i would die for this celebrity this celebrity can do no wrong and i'm like you shouldn't say that, but okay, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on your parade. If you tell me you idolize someone, then I'm like, cool. Yeah, I like their movie or I like their TV show, but right. I'm not gonna agree with you on them being idolized. I'm just gonna let you do you and I do me. Uh, but in that regard, um, the people that do inspire me are the people that I keep closest in my circles mm. because everybody does something that I do find inspiring. So my partner... He is consistently a hard worker. He goes after what he wants. He gets it done. He figures it out. And that inspires me to be able to do like challenges. Growing up, I've always been a person about challenges. If something is supposed to be difficult, I'm going to figure it out one way or another. 
like it applies to my baking, it applies to my dice making, it applies to cosplay. Anytime somebody's just like, oh, this is really difficult to do, it's like challenge accepted. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, my brother inspires me, my other team leads on Team Emporium, they inspire me with how they've managed different parts of their communities. Like I feel and I, I apply this to everybody is that we are an amalgamation of the best people that we keep. Yes. And so if you keep shitty people around, if you keep toxic people around, you are going to become like them. Yep. And so I've learned in the last, I think it was seven years ago, I had a best friend. She and I were best friends for a long time and she was toxic. She was not in a good headspace. She had a lot of problems and they kind of started leeching into how I was handling things in my life. And so I, more or less, I consider it like a breakup. I yeah. told her like, I can't do this. I love you. I always will love you because I did consider you a sister, a family, but I can't do this. And so I had to essentially break up with her and kind of form a new pathway in life with new friends. Right. And so uh, through that, I just learned that you are the amalgamation of the people that you keep closest to you. And so you need to take a look at who you keep close to you and is that who you want to be? And so that's kind of how I get my inspiration is by seeing those people that are near me. I'm like, cool, I really like what they're doing. I like what this person's doing. I want to be closer to this person because we have similar values. That person, we don't have as close values, so I'm going to kind of keep them a little bit away. Right. Still, like, talk to them, be friends with them. You don't have to be mean to everybody just because they're not exactly where you want to be. Right. You just need to understand where you want to be, what your energy is, and find people that have the same energy as you. That was nice. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> oh man, that was so good. Wow. <laughs> like that was cool. Okay. Um shit, that made me speechless. I'm the host. Um <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Wow. Um I guess the 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 the, the best follow up to that is and, and and not so much of like an advice but you know I, I if anybody is listening who could be dealing with that how did you like how would you how did you get over that that fear like there's like a lot of like a, a saying i guess that can apply is the devil you know um versus the devil you don't and i know a lot of people who are you know they they may have friends out of convenience at this point you know 10 years friendship 15 years friendship and a lot of them are kind of afraid to be like ah, if i stop being friends with them then i'd be alone and at some point they could be 29 or in their 30s or in their 40s and be like how am i going to find new friends in my 40s or how am i going to find new people in my 30s like everybody you kind of assume everybody is kind of in their clique you know, in their life click. So how did you get over like that, that fear? Like, like just to finally put yourself first. Uh, my whole life has been pretty much all about adapting. Uh, mm. I went to 11 different schools. I've lived in five different states. And so knowing that I had to give up my friends at the time and go make new friends was constantly a thing that I just kind of had to do. Right. That said, it was a lot easier in school because you're all forced to be in the same place. So you have no choice but to talk with each other. Right. Now that I'm older, it's like, you know, I turn 30 and I'll be 31 soon. And I'm just over here like, how do you make friends now? Like, what do we do? Right. And for me, it's just finding the groups that like finding places where the groups that you want to be a part of are. So um, unfortunately, you know, we're in a pandemic, we can't really go out and about, or you shouldn't be going out and about. Um, I, before this, and hopefully when we get to a point where it is safe to be out and about, I love tabletop games. That's always been one of my favorite things. And so I find the local board game stores. A lot of the board game stores have game nights. They have intro mm -hmm. to XYZ game, come mm -hmm. on over, you'll meet other people. And if you start going there regularly, you'll start meeting other regulars. 
and you instantly start making new friends, finding new groups to hang out with. And the same thing with Twitch. Like I am terrible at networking. I hate networking. If I can just never do networking in my life, I'm super glad about it. But (laughs) that isn't to say you shouldn't try to make friends. So when you go to a Twitch stream, if you start talking regularly, you'll start talking with other people in the community. They'll start recognizing your name. You'll start having game nights together. You can join their Discord communities or Gilded communities and just chit chat and be able to bond. So you just need to find the places where like the hobby that interests you is and kind of go from there, you know, cosplaying. I was able to find cosplaying communities online, photography. I was able to find photography groups through Facebook. It's, you just need to put yourself out there. I know it sucks. And that's the hardest thing you can tell an introvert to do, but a lot of those groups, if it's a group you're interested in, a lot of them tend to have very similar people as you. So you can just put a post saying, Hey, I don't have any friends in this hobby. I would love to see if anybody would love to play a game sometime. Like you can start off small, you know, reach out to, you heard your second cousin happens to be a photographer too. Reach out to them, see if they can help you get a group or go somewhere. Um, You know, especially with nerd groups. I feel like a lot of nerds tend to understand what it means to be an introvert, closed off, all that stuff. So we're, very welcoming and it it just it sucks so much that the only thing i can say is you just need to put yourself out there it's um one of the biggest phrases i learned is sunk cost fallacy and it's where people think oh i've been friends with this person for so long i can't just give up on them now or oh i've been in this relationship for so long even though it's like bad i've just we've been together for 15 years i can't leave my partner mm-hmm. or Um, You know, with any community, oh, I've been a part of this community for X, Y, Z amount of years. I can't just leave. It's like, no, that is sunk cost fallacy. You're thinking because you put so much time into there, you need to keep putting your time into it. And you don't. You really don't. What you need to do is put your time into the thing that does matter, into the groups that you do want to be a part of, into the world that you want to create. You can't keep sacrificing your mental health and your personal well-being you just keep going with someone who is clearly draining you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Golly. (laughs) The best answers ever. Like, wow. That's, um, wow. 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 Hit, hit nail on head. Um, wow. Well, we're in our last couple of minutes. So I'm going to leave. I do want to leave the floor more so to you um, with with kind of this last uh, couple of questions. Um, give me and I do want to leave it on a light and a, and a fun note. Tell me uh, you've been playing. You know, I know you're about says you've been playing video games since the 1900s. So let me know not only people that or people or companies that you may want to work with. Give me some of your favorite video games and why. And um, also give me, give me three of your favorite video game OSTs. Let's do it. And matter of fact, one of your favorite TTRPG campaigns. Let's do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um. So I... it's really strange when I say I'm a variety gamer I really am like I will play anything and everything I grew up only having like six games and so I just played them all the time so we had you know Super Mario World we had Red Faction 2 we had Medal of Honor Frontline and Medal of Honor Rising Sun we also had Jack and Daxter Kingdom Hearts so like I played anything that came my way because we just didn't have video games we were poor you know so i replayed those games so many times right like i just replayed and replayed and was like yeah i'm gonna replay it again because it's still fun right and so through that like i also played a lot of fighting games because my mom you know we didn't have our own washer and dryer you had to go to a local laundromat and Mm -hmm. the local laundromats at the time used to have their own little arcade section And so me and my brother would just go and play all the fighting games that we could as many quarters as my mom would give us before she ran out for the laundry. (laughs) So, you know, we had to make do with what we had. And so I was just like, let's just play all the video games, all of them. Great. (laughs) 
so I'm never one to turn down a game to try, but yeah. um, that said, there are so many video games now that it's hard for me to keep up with what is like, what is fun, what isn't fun because I need to figure it out. So I tend to like streaming wise, I prefer to play games that um, are a lot more calm and allow me to kind of pause at any given point in time if I needed to, because I like to talk with my community. I like to chit chat about what's going on or what's happening in the game. And so I love single player stories because I can pause in the middle of them, but I also love the cozy games where everybody just feels good. Like we're just having a good time, just kind of vibe into what's going on. We are not being particular about what's happening. It's just like, no, it's great. Because games that are intense, like shooters, I love to play my shooter games. Like I love to play Apex. I love, like, I enjoyed Call of Duty Warzone until it was like 300 gigabytes on my hard drive. It had to go. Yeah. (laughs) but those games i just cannot play them because there's no pausing in those games i need to keep going i need to focus and so i don't chat with anybody and you just see me staring at the screen like slightly slack jawed trying to figure out where we're going and people are over here trying to talk to me it's like i'm in the middle (laughs) trying to do something here so like my ideal companies to work with would be chill games similar to like animal crossing cozy Mm. grove slime rancher just fun chill games or even party-ish games so like first class trouble or uh fall guys like things i could do with other streamers so we can kind of incorporate all of our communities i think are super fun whereas all the other games um i will put on stream depending on how i'm feeling but most of the time i play a lot of them just off stream because my ability to chat with people while trying to be serious is very difficult (laughs) I admire the people that can do it. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. Um favorite Oh, even games like Phasmo and Dead by Daylight. I'll play those on stream. Those are fun. I can do those. Okay. No, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to get into Dead by Daylight. Like that's one of those that's funny that you mentioned because like I'm looking for people to play Dead by Daylight with because I'm really trying to get into it. Tell me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, hey, I'm with you. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Oh. It's so weird because I've never was into like spooky games growing up. I was like, no, spooky stuff can't do that. No. Like I played Fallout 3 and the first part I went into the little Springvale Elementary School. And there was the Raiders. I freaking oh. screamed. I was like, no, I can't do this. It's good. I'm better now. I got over it. And same with like Bioshock, the very first Bioshock game. There's the part where you fall down the water fountain and they put you in the Spitter? spotlight mm-hmm. and then spinner splicers are just jumping in at you. Oh, that terrified me. I, love I was like, that no. Moment. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love that I've learned, like, I appreciate it all now and it doesn't scare me like it did. I tend to get over my fear. But in the last year, I've been playing Dead by Daylight and Phasma. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I do like spooky games. <laughs> oh, if you, if you, I'm a horror game enthusiast. If you want any horror <laughs> game recommendations, you let me know. And it's funny because Fallout 3, like when I first played Fallout 3, one, I did it with no bats because I didn't know how it worked. Mm-hmm. So like, but my alerts will still creep me out to this day. I can I have played Fallout 3 a millions of times. I got it tatted on me. I like Fallout 3 every time I have to do the survival guide and I get to that Mylark part. I'm like someone someone got to play this for me. I like, <laughs> but um you like I I know you love cozy games and I know indie games and things of that nature so yeah, hard question. In general, I love, yeah. Oh my god. Mm. Shout out to the indie community. Mm-hmm. Favorite OST. It could be from it, AAA or indie. Oh, it's OST. definitely indie. So it's what? just super giants in general. I love all of their OST. Transistor. I played that yes. OST so many times. And then Hades yes. came out and I was like, ooh, you got me. I listened to the Bastion one as well. I didn't really play Pyre. It's not my kind of game, but I love that soundtrack. Like all of Supergiant's games, their OST slap. They do. They do. Okay. We we hear with that. We hear with that because what? Because <laughs> yeah. the only other ones that I really like resonate with me uh, is definitely, it's like very specific songs. So like I thought 
Halo had a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Borderlands 2 and, Border- and all of the Borderlands, I think they have really mm. good soundtracks. Like, a lot of them have great soundtracks, but like Super Giants, they just, they get me. They do. They do hit the heart. <laughs> I like that. Like, like I, I don't think this is Super Giant. No, it's not. But one of my favorite OSTs is uh from Firewatch. Like, just that ambient. I have, oh, yeah. God, it's so good. It's just so good. It's so good. It's- and... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it where we're at. We're at the hour mark, but I'm gonna leave it with two questions before we do the wrap up. Favorite campaign you ever participated in, and favorite cosplay you ever done. Oh my gosh, um, because cosplaying for me is always one of those where it's whatever. My favorite is whatever I'm doing in that moment. Because I love everything that I do, and I just get inspired at different times to do specific characters. Right. Starfire and Wonder Woman, I think I've cosplayed the most. I have various different iterations of both of them, and so I think I tend to rely on them the most at this point. But I do have... I cosplayed Silk at one point from Spider-Man, and I plan on getting a couple more different spider suits. And Because I've always loved Spider-Man. That's always been one of my favorite comics growing up. Yeah. And I'm... I'm an X-Men person over, or not X-Men, I'm Marvel person over DC. Same. And so, Same. We're here. Uh, <laughs> we, we got, we know. <laughs> and so uh, I hope to do more Marvel cosplays in the future. But uh, I think the two cosplays I've had the most fun in are Fallout and my uh, Warhammer 40K. I didn't make those costumes entirely from scratch. Uh, the Warhammer 40K, the suit was made from our friends at Wolfgar Props and Weaponry. And they made basically a whole bunch of suits for everybody. So we had an entire group for Gen Con. And it was the best experience having like six or eight people dressed in these costumes walking around together. And so that's always going to be a great moment for me. It's just the only reason those two aren't like in my top favorite cosplays is purely because I just didn't make them. Right. Um, the Warhammer 40k, I did add a lot of stuff to it. So like the chains, the teeth, I made all those things so I can add more emphasis to what the costume is. And then with the Fallout Survivor, you know, I dirtied up the suit. I bought the, I made like some of the weapons. I bought the weapons. I added the armor pieces. So I customized them to the best that I can. But um, the Starfire and Wonder Woman at this point just resonate with me because I've made everything from scratch. <laughs> I like that. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. And um. My favorite TTRPG yeah. moment. Oh my gosh. Um, it's so difficult just because I've played so many games up to this point. I have, I've loved most of the characters I've played. Mm-hmm. I think currently my favorite character is the Pathfinder character I'm playing. He's a little leshy. And leshies are tiny, like little plant life creatures that come to life. They can go in various sizes. There's like giant leshies and tiny ones. Mine is like he's a he's actually small in size. He's a bush and he's just made of leaves and has like a tiny little head with a giant flower. And he plays a kazoo. He's a bard. That's so cool. And so I try to like add flavor text when I play with him. So you know, magic missile is one of his go tos. So I'm just like, yeah, Zizix will stomp his feet in the ground, bring up his kazoo, and blow as hard as he can, and out comes magic missile from the kazoo. That's so. He's just a fun little cute character because he doesn't need to eat. He just uses, like, he just does photosynthesis. So I'm just like, they're like, oh, we're going to go to the tavern to eat. I'm like, cool, Zizek's going to sit near the window and get some sun in. (laughs) Or to, like, throw throw them off. I'm just like, yeah, Zizek's will order a tea. And they're like, wait, aren't you also made of leaves? It's like, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's that's, that's, that's so cool. Like, just to find the, the, the wonderment in 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 your hobby still to this day and and that's that's why i asked that question because it just kind of showcases that you can always still have that that amazement that 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 not only childlike but like that that amaze that wonderment in that fantasy world like no matter how long you you've been a part of of something like it's always something to contribute to the magic of it yeah and that's and that's cool and with that being said, it is our time. I thank you. I yeah, thank appreciate you. you. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for for 
joining the show and joining the series um i it warms my heart <laughs> <laughs> and with that um before i go if there's anything you want to say um i'm gonna wrap up the show so this has been another episode of perception so to shout out one more time content creator twitch streamer cosplayer chef i'm counting it now <laughs> uh, a dice maker uh, just a jack of all trades a true artist a true profession also a team lead chancellor please take it away chancelin or chance c-h-a-n-z you can find me on twitter twitch instagram everywhere and anywhere that has c-h-a-n-z l-y-n and i uh i'm just gonna be honest i do a lot of shit posting so don't come to me thinking you're just gonna get quality content creation stuff you're gonna get me just having like what they call 2 a.m shower thoughts you know yes like my current status in discord is is soup in a bread bowl a sandwich you tell me Yes. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I do. But I do post a lot of my tabletop RPG stuff. I do post my dice making, photography, cosplay when I'm going live on Twitch. It's just kind of all mixed in between because I can't be bothered to have multiple Twitter accounts to do, like compartmentalize everything. It's a lot of work, and I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> like that, and of course, everything will be in the description below and to answer that question yes i feel like it's the equivalent of a sloppy joe so yes mm, right like that. right some people have told me that if it's a thicker soup or like a stew yes but if it's like a looser soup like chicken noodle soup they're not sure hmm. we're gonna come back to this <laughs> this is not over <laughs> this is not over see you guys later bye Thank you.